This Morning's Person. Now, I've come along to Eaton House Prep in Hanamdong. It's a lovely location in central Seoul and a world away from the subject matter, which is more impoverished schools in developing countries where even the presence of books has been not only notable by their absence, but something that drove John Wood to go from Microsoft to change the world. That's just about the title of his book, which we'll talk about in a moment. And he is this morning's person. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Maybe we can start there with your book. You, you, you went from this position as an executive for Microsoft in China, and then you gave it all up just over 15 years ago to literally take books and provide a room to read. Room to read is the name of the organization you set up. Exactly. I mean, some of your listeners may some mornings fantasize about throwing it all away and starting their life over again. I never thought I would do that. But when I was with Microsoft in China, uh, I had the pleasure of traveling in Nepal. I, during a trek in the Annapurna range, I met a headmaster who had a completely empty library, 400 students coming to school every day, but no books for the kids to read. So these kids were destined for a life of illiteracy. And I asked the headmaster, why did he have no books in the library? And he said, well, in Nepal, we're too poor to afford books and we're too poor to afford education for our kids. But until we have education, we're going to always remain poor. And that struck me as a cruel irony. And I thought, I need to do something to help these kids. And that's what eventually led me to leave Microsoft. But that corporate background has been instrumental, hasn't it, really? Because you've used all those big money contacts to considerable resources and actually transform the lives of millions of children. It's no exaggeration. No, it's not. I mean, in initially Room to Read, the organization that I um, co-founded, um, was very, very small. I, I didn't leave Microsoft with enough money to bankroll everything myself. I wasn't a zillionaire. Um, but what I did want to do is make sure that these schools in places like Nepal, uh, rural Vietnam, post-Khmer Rouge, Cambodia, that these kids had a chance to gain access to education. So it started very simply with um, just a library program. We were donating mostly English language books that we could source and then became a publisher. We actually became, became a publisher in 2004 to print local language children's books. Most of the uh, issue we faced was that the for-profit publishers only publish books in languages spoken by rich countries. So they'll publish in Korean, Japanese, French, and German. They won't publish in Khmer, Vietnamese, or Lao. So Room to Read is now, um, from very humble beginnings, we've published over 1,500 original titles using local authors and local artists. We put over 18 million books in the hands of kids. And I'm very proud to say that from that first little library in Bahundan in Nepal, we are now on the verge of opening our 20,000th library by the end of this year. But here you are in Seoul, which is a city filled with books, filled with Chromebooks, in fact. And uh, you've been talking today to, to kids who certainly have no problem accessing books. So can you talk to us a bit more about the purpose of your, your trip here to the South Korean capital? Yeah, definitely. One of my goals in being here, so I was invited here by Spark Labs. Spark Labs has a big technology conference called Demo Day. And Jay McCarthy, one of the partners there, has long been a supporter of Room to Read. And he said, hey, we need to get you in front of the Korean tech community. Uh, Room to Read receives a lot of support from the Australian tech community, the Japanese tech community, Silicon Valley. We hadn't done much of anything in front of the Korean tech community. So Demo Day was a great chance for us to do that. The Eaton House uh, School invited us uh, to come do a presentation since they're 
they're starting a room to read club and we're very happy very excited about that because we want to get more kids involved and my hope being here in Seoul this week is just to work with more companies and more families who have traveled or invested in these frontier markets be they Vietnam Cambodia Nepal Sri Lanka Bangladesh and find a way that we can make philanthropy part of that equation to say if you've traveled to Cambodia and seen seen the beautiful temples of Angkor Wat you've also seen poverty through room to read you have a chance to give back to those kids and give those kids a chance to be the first in their family to get literate and to get an education you know if people are inspired by this they can continue the personal journey by reading more of what you've written you're an award-winning author actually and uh, your work is available in korean as well isn't it it is. It is indeed. The first book was titled Leaving Microsoft to Change the World. It can be downloaded on the Kindle. It can be downloaded through iBooks. And it was also published in a Korean language version, which is still in print and still doing very well. I believe in Korean, the title is Library of the Himalayas. And can you tell us a bit more about the, the biggest hurdles along the way? Because I've seen pictures of you trekking with yaks with books strapped to their back, which looks like an adventure, but a pretty tough one as well. But but does that uh, even pale in comparison with some of the bigger challenges you may have faced along the way? I think the biggest challenge Room to Read has faced is that we want to be able to provide a solution that is similar in scope to the to the issues we're facing. So we don't want to be doing one library here and one library there and patting ourselves on the back. In a world that has 780 million illiterate people, um, two-thirds of whom are female, girls and women, we need to think big about the issue. And so one of the things, reasons I quit Microsoft was because I realized that if I stayed at Microsoft, then this literacy project would be a hobby. The issue is that hobbies don't scale. Microsoft would always have the first um, calling on my time. And so one of the biggest challenges for me was, number one, getting out of my career so I could actually do this full time. But then number two, traveling the world and convincing people, whether it be here in South Korea or Japan or Australia or Switzerland or wherever else we raise money, is to say, this is an opportunity for us. If we can ra- Every time we raise 35000 US dollars, we can bring our literacy program and a library to a rural school in a place like Vietnam or Cambodia and affect the lives of literally hundreds of children. So it's an inexpensive model of change. And what we find now with more and more companies is companies are feeling the pressure to be good corporate citizens. What we tell the companies is work through room to read. Together, we can get a lot more done. You know, some charitable drives gain a lot of success by presenting very urgent issues like starvation and, and looking to raise aid, such as providing food. Here you are providing words through, through books, and, and yet it attracts so much attention. Even just when you were doing a Q&A with the kids before, you were flooded with, with questions. What, what is it about books that's so appealing, do you think, both as a need and from a supply perspective? Well, I think books will always hold a special place in people's hearts because everybody can remember being, you know, being a child and connecting with a book. Remembering, remember going to a library and taking books home and being so excited to read. And I think that people who are successful everywhere in the world realize they have education to thank. Without education, you're not you. Without education, I'm not me. Um, and I think for people who um, have grown up reading, just the thought that any child anywhere in the world grows up without books is sad. But it doesn't have to be sad because it's something we can take action on. I'm very, very proud that Room Treat will have opened 20,000 libraries, serving over 12 million children by the end of this year. But there still is a long, long ways to go. And my whole goal is to say, stay hungry, stay humble, stay fast moving. One day, 20,000 libraries will look like a small number in a rearview mirror. 
So for people listening now, apart from picking up one of your books and reading it, what can they do to, to support your efforts? I would encourage anybody to go to our website, which is at roomtoread.org, roomtoread.org. There's all kinds, if you're a business person, you'll find all kinds of statistics and data. We're total data geeks. You can see the program quality, see the growth of our programs. Uh, you can also find inspiring pictures. We have a YouTube channel. They can see You can see videos. But what I'd ask any one of your listeners, I would ask very humbly, but also very forthrightly, consider getting involved. I've always said that I don't want to be the leader of an organization. I want to be one of many, many, many leaders of a global movement. And when people ask me, why has Room to Read grown so quickly and so rapidly, reaching over 12 million children? The number one thing I say is because we're a global movement. We're telling everybody in the developed world, if you're, if you're educated, if your kids are getting educated, then we're amongst the luckiest people on earth. Let's reach out and help those kids, whether they be in post-Khmer Rouge, Cambodia, or post-Civil War, Sri Lanka. Let's think big and reach millions of more kids with a lifelong gift of education. Finally, we finish off with an endorsement from a certain former U.S. President, Bill Clinton, whose name is written at the top of your book, uh, giving it his own personal stamp of approval. Firstly, how did that come about? And secondly, just how proud are you to have those sorts of names backing you? Um, I'm very proud, but I'm also like, I'm proud of like the third graders who are running readathons, um, to benefit room to read. And that's where I think room to read wants to be kind of lowercase d democratic. Do we want to appeal to everybody from, you know, a third grade student who, who's part of a readathon to former presidents, former heads of state. We've had, you know, former British uh, prime minister, Gordon Brown, praise our work and Bill Clinton. And I've been on the Oprah Winfrey show and, and it's, you know, it's all fun, um, to get, some of the major endorsements like those. But I think the more important thing is, what does the average person do? What can the average person do? Because not every one of us can be a former president, but every one of us can take action through Room to Read. And I'm very proud that to life to date, we've had over 20,000 volunteers get involved. And I'm hoping that many listeners in South Korea will say, hey, John, sign me up. Uh, I'm at john.wood at roomtoread.org. If people are interested, please drop me an email. And how's it been compared with going on Oprah Winfrey? <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a ringing endorsement yourself thank you very much John Wood room to read this morning's person thank you very much for having me there's a place in your heart and I know that it is love and this place is brighter than tomorrow